Thank you, Jamie. Good morning. It is good to be with you. It's a delight. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Justin. He says, yeah, make sure we've got big hunk candy bars for all the big hunk dads. And so all you hunks get that. That's pretty cool. And that cup looks good too. Anyway, it is a delight. Morning, Jeff. Good to see you, my friend. Is um, what, a, what a delight to be with you. I've prayed for this church over the years, and, and you have been blessed with incredible leaders. The, um, going back to the Hanslers, um, who we stole from you guys, they're helping oversee our Pacific region. And then the Allisons, they're dear friends of ours. In fact, um, the Lord took them from here, a loving community, down to a place where it's like restarting to restart a restart. How's that? And uh, keep praying for them. That is not an easy situation, but they are doing well. And then the Warfords, how fun. And, and uh, the Warfords, oh my goodness, I, history goes back so far. Um, Pastor Dustin, his dad and his aunts were in Bible school the same time we were. And so we've known them for years and years. And his grandpa, Mel Warford, um, he served on our national board with my dad and knew my grandpa. And so I am a fourth generation pastor. It's Pastor Dustin. We have that heritage. Now, I'm sure Dustin, probably his parents told him, my mom says, don't be a pastor unless God calls you. Um, it, it's not the family business that you do for fun, okay? You do it because God has called. And so you are blessed with pastors that love the Lord and are serving you. And, and the only thing I feel bad about is I just wish they were here so we could have got to fellowship and see them. But um, praying for a time of refreshing for them as they are gone. And so it, it's a delight, delight to be here. In fact, um, Pastor Mel, that's Dustin's grandfather, just one of the greatest men of God I know. And he came after he had served many, many years and in his <clears throat> retirement years served on my pastoral staff as our seniors pastor. And so now I have just stepped down this last year or so as the lead pastor in our church. And um, I said, my goal is when I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Mel because he was such a blessing and encouragement. And that's what we should be for others, right? And so anyway, I'm just delighted to be with you. And when Pastor Dustin said, in fact, I just traveled back to the Midwest and swung by this way on our way back to Bend. And he was talking about what you've been sharing about. And he said, you had a theme of gathering. Is that right? The theme that you've been talking about? And one of the things he talked about was unity. And when he called me, I says, oh, how cool. God just gave me something to share with our, with our body. And it just goes right that. And so I'm going to share that with you. Is that okay if we do that this morning? And uh, we're going to just see what the Lord speaks to us all. And, and let's ask the Lord to bless our time as we go to the Word. Shall we do that? Jesus, we love you. Lord, I thank you that you are so faithful. I thank you for your love. Lord, thank you for dads. Thank you for fathers that are here that set example through their um, lifestyle and what they model. Lord, I pray your blessing and protection would be on them. Lord, I pray for other churches that are gathering today, but Lord, you knew who would be at Celebration Center this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that beyond stories or words or songs, God, we would listen to what you would say to each one of us individually by your Holy Spirit. We choose right now to just invite you to speak to each of us in spite of Pastor Dan. <laughs> Thank you for your love. We surrender to you. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? Amen. You can do better than that. And everyone said? Got to be with me to start or I'm in trouble, okay? <laughs> this morning we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about a mindset. The key is united. And I want to talk about a mindset that will help facilitate 
unity in our lives, the way we think, the way we respond. Now, pretty much I think we can all agree on this. Would you agree that we are living in a very divided world? You believe that? Boy, I do. In fact, some of the scholars, great minds bigger than mine, um, they are saying right now that the only time that our country has historically ever been as divided as it is right now was during the Civil War. In fact, I think that a lot of that has to do with mass media and instantaneous coverage. Right now, you can pull out your phone and you can know what, you can see what's going on anywhere in the world. Not true? I mean, just that quick, things are going on. And, and because of that coverage, that, that divide today is driven deeper and, and affects even more people than back at that time where there was open armed conflict. Fortunately, there's, well, there are shootings going on around us, but we're not facing that like they were, but it's crazy. And, and I was doing a little background homework on that, and as I was looking at that, I, I was amazed at, at this idea of, of division, what's going on. Did you know that's not just in the United States? It's around the world. In fact, um, as I was looking, they did some surveys, and they said in the whole world, there are only two countries that registered that don't have more than 50% of the population that are feeling divided and alienated. Only two countries. You know what those two countries were? Saudi Arabia and China. And guess what? Both those populations are not allowed to have opinions. So that's why they did that well. But that's what's going on in the world we're living in. And we are living in a day when, when the world, when countries, communities, and even families are divided like they never have been before. I, I think maybe some of the escalation today has become because of, in the past, people were just busy living their lives, surviving getting on with it. But now, with the media, all the things we talked about, the phone, instantaneous things, just that quick, you can pull out your phone and, and, and you can see people's choices and opinions and their actions. You don't just see them, they pop up on your phone. They're in your face. They come right in front of you every day. And you know, when they pop up like that, it forces everyone, as you look at it, you are forced to either affirm or reject what you see. And in turn, when that happens, it makes us all become even more polarized. Because just from the stimuli in front of us, we're forced into choices, into people groups and decisions, and it alienates. It's a crazy world. Absolutely. We think, dear God, how can this be going on? You know what's sad? The Apostle Paul said he saw this same kind of division in the early church. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. People are people are people. Isn't that true? And so the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 1.11, he says, For some of those who live at Chloe's house have told me of your arguments and quarrels, dear brothers. And so it's something that's going on. And as I, as I look at the world as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, as I look at the world as a pastor, what I see is, is not just a divided people. But you know what I see? I see a spirit of division. I don't want to get mystical on you, but there's spiritual things involved here. The Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual, right? 
That's what's going on. And, and we're not even recognizing it. There was a Christian blog. I just found this going online. A Christian blog, and they posted this. Quote, The spirit of division is the kind of spirit that prevents unity. It is the type of spirit that can come in various forms, but stems from the root of demon spirit called pride. And it causes disunity, and it's known to be the thief of time, effort, emotions, and it steals people provision for God's vision for our lives. Unquote. I thought that was powerful. That's what this spirit of division is doing in the world today. Jesus saw that. He warned about that. He, he told us all about it in John 10.10. 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, there's a principle here. God's heart for his church and for his people is for them to be united. That's God's heart. The old saying, you know, the old pastor that says, I love pastoring except for the people. That's not God's heart. God's heart is for his people. But you know what? It can be hard to be united when we are so different. We're so different. God wired us different. In fact, do this. Just look at the person next to you and say, yep, you're different. <laughs> right? We are different. That's God's plan. And, and if we look, we can see that all around us. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he recognized that, and he challenged the church. 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Listen, Paul was not saying that we're all going to agree on everything. It's not going to happen, is it? I don't agree with my wife all the time. I don't agree with myself all the time. I don't know about you. We're diverse. We're different. Unity does not say we always agree on the words that we're going to say. Unity does not mean uniformity. It goes lower, more foundational that. I, I love to quote Billy Graham's wife, great woman of God. And she said this, listen, if you are married and you and your husband agree on everything, one of you is not necessary. <laughs> That's good, right? Of course, she also said, I don't believe in divorce. Murder, maybe, but not, okay, that's Billy Graham's wife. Um, God has uniquely, I mean, he has uniquely made and shaped each one of us so that as we begin to function together in a spirit of unity, we'll complement, we'll complement each other, and we begin to help reveal the potential that God has for each one of us. Do you know sometimes trials and tribulations can open the door for potential and possibility? I hate that, but it's true. So how do we move forward to, to being united as the body of Christ? How do we do it? Rather than, than just letting this spirit of division that's, that's ripping through our nation, through the world. How, how do we get past that? We are swamped. It's in our media. It's in our culture. It's the way that we're looking at life, the way it's presented around us. How, how do we get past that? 
Well, that word agreement that I read you in that scripture, it's found within a heart of someone whose thoughts have been surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That's where agreement comes. When our thoughts from our heart surrender to the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12, Christians are called to live out our life as a living sacrifice. You've heard that, right? We're called to be a living sacrifice. The age old saying, you know what the problem with the living sacrifice is? It keeps crawling off the altar. Here I am, Lord. <laughs> and it crawls right off again. Sadly, too often we see that when it comes to our words, our words that source from our thoughts, it's a source of a problem. How many recognize that there's a battle continually going on in our thought life? Isn't that true? I don't care who you are, how righteous you are. Apostle Paul in Romans talked about that. Things I don't want to do, I do. Things I want to do, I don't do. There's this battle that, that's going on and raging with inside of us. And it can be almost overwhelming. It comes after us and tries to rip us and destroys us. And folks, I want you to understand, there's a, there's a principle here. What goes on in our thought life will typically reveal itself in our words and even in our unspoken communication. It comes through. How many of you know people who say a lot and never say a word? Know what I'm talking about there? Okay, dads especially, men. How many of you know wives have a look? My wife could give my kids a look. And it said volumes. <laughs> you see, the principle here is the challenge for us as followers of Jesus is to each day direct and focus our thoughts so that the enemy of our soul cannot divide our hearts. If our thoughts aren't focused, our hearts are going to be ripped apart. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Boy, that sounds poetic and nice. But it doesn't just happen. It does not just happen. It, it, and, and folks, it's so much more than just positive thinking. That's popular in the culture now too. That's great, but it, it's so much more than that. You see, unity, and this is a principle, unity will begin to flow as we nurture an environment in our mind where God's heart can be released in and through us. You have to nurture that in your mind. It doesn't just happen. Would you like to see unity and peace in your life? Your neighborhood, your church, your community? Boy, I would. And if you want to see that, then we have to nurture the right thoughts. Biblical principle here. Out of the heart a man speaketh. The problem is the heart is deceitfully wicked. So we have to nurture that. In fact, again, principle. If you don't direct your thoughts they will overcome and direct you. If you don't direct your thoughts, they will. They'll overcome, they'll direct you. That's why we're told, listen, you know this, familiar, but let me read Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. 
Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? What? Will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You want the God of peace with you? Then what's going on up here is going to make a difference. Put it into practice. Too often, we don't have peace because our mind is just going so many places. All of I cannot sit still. You don't, you don't know me. I am wired tight. I couldn't play golf till I was over 30. It takes too long. I'm wired tight. I've never been diagnosed. I could be the poster boy for ADHD, I think. If I, you talk to me, I'm listening, but, but I'm squirrel, squirrel. I, I'm, I'm thinking 30 other t- things at the same time. I, I'm all over the place. And part of that's just things that are going on in our culture right now. Our minds are running wild. Have you ever noticed how you don't have to try to think about bad things? Isn't that crazy? You don't have to try to think about those, like our failures, our insecurities, material things that, that we're tied to. We don't have to think about that. You know why? Because the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And because of that, he loves to point out. He loves to, to bring up, to stir up, to elevate every negative, destructive, or, or, or lower, baser nature urge within us. Bible says that's what the accuser does. He brings that back to you. Ever have trouble forgiving? You know why you have some trouble? Because Satan's job, he brings that up. Forgiving 70 times 7 is because you got to do it over and over and over. Why? Because the enemy brings it back, brings it back, brings it back. Oh, I got to tell you this. I don't have time to get off. My wife will give me the look. But my grandma Johnson came over from Sweden, um, and she had that um, Norwegian brogue. And um, she was getting older and forgetful. And I was up with my family in Spokane. Grandma was up on a stool. She was in her 80s. And up on a stool, and my mom said, oh, Dan, can you help? help grandma get down? I go, sure. And I gently put my arm and I just set her down. And I set her down. We drove back to Ben there. The next day, my mom calls me, Dan, when you set down grandma, guess what? It cracked three ribs. No, no. And so we went up about two months later. We're up there and a bunch of my family's there and kids, grandkids running around and, and the two grandmas. And she goes, whose are those? And the other one says, I think it's one of yours. You know, they, they didn't know the names of the kids. They couldn't remember 
who was just that time of life. And I walked in the room and I saw my grandma Johnson and she looks at me at that Nor- Norwegian brogue and she goes, Jew, Jew broke my ribs. I go, oh, grandma. I mean, she couldn't remember my name, but she knew I busted her ribs, okay? Do you know? And that's the devil. I just want to say that. The accuser. That's why, those, that's why we struggle with those things. It's a spiritual thing tries to rip our heart and and rob our joy and overwhelm us. And he brings that up and up. In fact, um, 15 years ago, I went to the doctor and is having a full checkup. And um, I'm always on the go and doing that. And my wife says, you got to get the physical checked out. So I walk in and they go in and he checks my blood pressure. And he goes, whoa, this is way too high. I've never had a problem with that. He goes, listen, I I know you just came running in here because he knew me. (laughs) And he goes, I want you to go sit in the lobby, sit out there for 10, 15 minutes, just relax, breathe, relax, and we're going to bring you back in and do it again. I said, okay. So I went out there. I sat waiting. I'm not good at that. He said, come on back. They check it again. Guess what happened? Twice as high. (laughs) We're going to put me in the hospital. You know why? I sat out there and I started thinking about everything I shouldn't be worrying about. Now, do you understand some of that's temperament, but that's what the accuser does? Ever notice she can't sleep some nights? Why? Because that battle is raging. It's a spiritual thing, folks. Sometimes it was the peachy hate, but sometimes it's a spiritual thing. You have to be wise. That, that's why, principle, we have to make a choice about what we're going to let live and dwell in our mind. Now, did you hear that? Did you hear what I just said? You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice about what's going to live, what's going to dwell in your mind. You know what? Not making a choice is a choice. If you don't make a choice what's going to go on up here, the enemy will make it for you. Life will make it for you. It can get overwhelming. My dad was amazing, great man of God. And he got to the place where he loved the sports page and he'd love to get up and read the paper and sports page and doing that. And I remember when I was older one day, he said, you know, Dan, he got up and I said, Dad, you haven't touched the paper. And he goes, no, it's been a busy morning. And he goes, I, I'd learned. I made a choice. I will not read the bad news until I've had a chance to read the good news first. You make a choice what's going on up here. You make a choice. He modeled that for me. If you're consumed and, and if you're full of bad news, you won't be able to even see the good news. You won't even see it because you're so overwhelmed with all the craziness that's going on and around you. You see, that battle for the mind is an age-old struggle. Why is it so hard? Because it's a spiritual thing. It's more than psychosomatic. It's more than psychological. It's even bigger than just chemical. It's a spiritual thing. Ever heard the saying, the problem with pride is the vowel in the middle? Right? P-R-I. Somebody said, this problem with sin is the I in the middle. You know what? I see a similar attack for us as the body of Christ when it comes to unity. One of the ladies in our church, this amazing, great mind, 
And often I'd preach and I'd pour out my heart and she'd come up afterwards and she'd say, oh, pastor, pastor, did you, that, that particular word that you put up on the screen, did you look at that word? Did you see what was inside of that word? And she'd come up with things like pride the vowel in the middle. And she goes, did you see that? And I go, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just praying about unity, praying about what God wants to speak to us. And as I was looking at that word unity, it's like I got a thought or a prompting. In fact, Don, do you have just that word unity? Can you put that up? As I look at that word unity, I was prompted about our thought life. In fact, I'll go back. I'll give you a principle. Sorry, Don. A, a core issue is, is not just what we think, but it's also important how we think. Not just what you think, but how you think. Often we're so caught up and consumed in, in life situations and life circumstances that we don't see the Lord working in our life because we're self-focused. Maybe it's pain. Maybe it's the pressure, the reality. It can be overwhelming. Now, let's go to that unity one, Don. So I'm looking at that word unity. And I'm saying, okay, Lord. Lord, what do you, what do you want to say to us? And as I'm looking at it, I don't want to over-spiritualize. But what God just spoke in my heart, and I'll see if it bears witness with you. I'm, I'm looking at that word unity. And, and it's like the Holy Spirit says, okay, Dad, unpack that. I go, unity. U-N, un, T-Y, tie. And to me, it was like, Dan, untie the eye. Untie the eye. Get the focus off of us and onto what God is doing in, beyond, and through us. That's the heart of God for each one of us. And then, then as you do that, then think on these things. Instead of the nonsense, think on these things. Untying the eye is what's going to bring us to unity. How we think came down. Our house, we have a big, wonderful house. Our church did like a barn raising with this. Now, my kids and my 12 grandkids are not there. It's Brenda and I. We miss them, but it's wonderful quiet. I come downstairs and, and my wife has the sound bar just cranked with worship music. And I go, what are you doing? And she's looking at me and she goes, I just needed this. Because her mind goes all over. She goes, I had, to, I had to control what was going on. Do you know there's a control of the mind and a control in the spirit? And she was getting a double whammy. She goes, I got to do this. Spoke to our heart. Then she'll bring things to me. And I hate it when she brings things to me because mostly she's right. And I hate it when she tells me because that's just a guy thing, okay? But she goes, Dan, you got to listen to this. I go, what? And she goes, uh, it's a new Elevation worship song. And I love music. I'm a musician, maybe. She goes, listen to this. And I listen to it. And she goes, oh, isn't that wonderful? And I go, yeah, yeah, that's good. 
you know, because I wasn't going to admit it was great. And then um, that day I'm just going over and over. And it just spoke to my heart and it challenged me. And it spoke to me about being able to untie the eye. To see the bigger picture of what God's doing. And so I'm going to play that, that song for you. Some of you may have heard it. It's pretty new in the last month or so, I think. But I want to tell you a little bit about the background. The young man that sings the song in this video clip, he didn't write this song. His pastor and a few people at his church wrote it with him, put it together. But he shares his story in the song. And my wife says, I over-explain everything, so I got to over-explain to you. Is, uh, he's talking about his life and how difficult it had been. And he said, there, there were many dark things that happened to our family. He says, during my early years, my, my dad had a respect for God, but not a love for Jesus. He didn't go to church with the family. And interesting, he said he didn't go to the church with family because he thought he was too lost. His mom drug his ki the kids to church every week, Sundays and Wednesdays, every week. He says, my mom was a godly, she was a tongue-talking, oil-slinging lover of Jesus. And she goes, because she drug us, she's what kept us together. She's what kept us from losing it. He says, but then my mom gets really sick, like really sick, and, and has to have this serious surgery. She's on death's door and about loses her life. She survives, but then his brother takes his life. On top of that, then dad loses it, and says he's going for divorce. He said, I was overwhelmed. He said, I, I had more pain than I had comfort. I had more questions than I had answers. And he said, I'm asking myself, why? What did I do to make this happen? But, but here's what was amazing that I got out of that. Because he said, you know, because of my mom, because of what I saw in my mom in the middle of craziness, instead of running from the Lord, she ran to the Lord. And she just held on to the promises of God's word. I, I, I just kept seeing mom keeping it together when she could have lost it. And he said, and, and for me, watching her model that, that's what caused me to finally look for Jesus myself because she couldn't do it for me. Later he said, I look back and I look back at that season and, and I realized God was closer in those moments than I even knew or even realized. He was there. And he said, as the family came through those years, my dad got right with God. And he goes, and now my dad spends time with God. In fact, he says, my dad built his own prayer closet. <laughs> so now, he said, as I look back at my life and I see how far God has taken our family, I can see miracle after miracle that God was doing beyond the eye. Watch this video, would you?
carried by grace Don't ask me how, cause I can't explain It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here I've got some blessings that I don't deserve I've got some scars, but that's how you learn it's nothing short of a miracle I'm here I think it over and it doesn't matter I know it comes from above I've got miracles on miracles A million little I can't even count 
was on my back. My mother would say, I got food on my table. Lord, I know that you're able. Say, I can't even. We're going to need God's help to help us untie the eye. And that's only going to happen as we begin to, to look for and to start seeing and thinking about the little miracles in our life. What God has done. Is there anybody here that's ever had God spare your life? Let me see hands. A bunch of you. Is there anyone here that's ever seen God watch out for your kids or your grandkids or the people you love? Anybody? Uh, yeah. Often, we don't see the miracles because we're so busy looking at the next crisis. Old song we used to sing, Count Your Many Blessings. Same principle. Same principle. and your thoughts permeate your heart and soul. Several years back, I, I had a pulmonary embolism. Doctor tells me it should have killed me. They call it the widow maker. In fact, today, just six months ago, I went back in to my pulmonologist because they'd like to check. And I walk in, he looks at me and goes, you are a miracle. I wish that's because of my sparkling personality and just... <laughs> That wasn't what it was. He was talking about, he, he said, God spared you. God spared you. At the time, all I could see was the, the pain and the bother. I had too much to do. I didn't have time for that. But it challenged me. Untying the eye for me it means now, God, I, I want to walk so close to. I want to I be so much in unity with you that God, I'll recognize the millions of little miracles that are happening all around me. The only way we're going to have unity in our heart, our life, our home, our church, our community, our country, 
is as we begin to look for and recognize the miracle hand of God working around us, even in the craziness. That's what's going to pull us together. That's the hope that the world is desperately looking for. Some of you have served the Lord for a long time. God bless you. But if you have served the Lord and you have walked with Jesus for 25 years, 25 years, there should be a depth. There should be a, a spirit of unity. There should be a hope beyond the craziness. You know, the problem is, for so many of us, instead of 25 years experiences, we've got one year experience 25 times. God, help us to grow up in these crazy days. Do you know that this broken world desperately needs us? And it's a holiday weekend, so I would imagine a lot of people traveling and church family here this morning. But God wants to use us to impact our community. And it starts in us. I imagine most of you here are believers. I don't know all of you. If you're not, that's where it starts. The basics of going back, I believe there's a God. The Bible says, yeah, good. The devil believes that. That's not what makes us right. No, it's surrender. God, I surrender to you. I, I've messed up. Forgive me. Forgive me. Live inside of me. Lord, I'll serve you. That's where it starts. But then if you love the Lord, then every day we've got to start growing and letting it build. And when things come up, yeah, they can knock us off our feet. They can knock us down. But we say, okay, Lord, no. You're going to help me get back up, aren't you, Lord? Years ago, I heard somebody say this. Here was Jesus. Here was Peter. Peter was always, you know, Peter opened his mouth to change feet. Peter would do dumb things and he'd fall on his face. The Lord would say, come on, Peter. And he'd go, okay. And he'd fall on his face. The Lord said, come on, Peter. You see what happens? Every time he fell, he got up that much closer to Jesus. In our culture, when we fall, we don't acknowledge it. We justify it. And people fall away. And I just believe this morning God's saying, listen. Listen. With 12 committed believers, the world was revolutionized. We got that beat in here this morning. If we can say, God, help us untie the eye. God, help me to get my thought life grounded in your word. Let your spirit speak. There are people that need to hear you. Not necessarily a sermon from you but they need to hear a sermon from your life and the hope that's there. We're going to do a song, but I felt like I'm supposed to do it a little different than that. I just want to pray over you. In the days of COVID, probably not politically correct to have you come up and lay hands on you, but God's not hung up on body posture. But if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know, Pastor Dan, I love the Lord. 
But the enemy just trying to bury me with thoughts and problems and things that they're just trying to take away the joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. You got no joy, you got no strength. And saying, I, I need God's help. I need to untie the eye. And it's not even about me. I'm carrying it for everyone else. But today I, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do something in me. If that's you and, and you're willing to do that, would you just stand right where you are? And I'm just going to close in prayer and pray over you. Anyone just say, that's me. I want that. Thank you. Just stand right where you are. Right where you are. Just stand. Anybody here saying, you know what? I know God wants to use me, but I get fearful. I don't have the tools. I'm not, I'm not gifted to do that. But I'm open to see what God wants to do. If that's you, Stan. Thank you. One more. Anyone here that's saying, I've got some physical, spiritual family or needs in my life. I don't even know what to do about it. But I think maybe God can. And I need help. If that's you, would you stand? Lord bless you. Okay, if you're here and you have a heartbeat, would you stand? <laughs> and I'm a hand holder guy, and I won't make you do that. It's, we're getting over this COVID stuff, but we're going to pray together. In fact, can we just do this? In fact, we were going to sing the song, I Surrender, but could you, you don't have to do the Pentecostal, but would you just do this? Lord, I just give up, and I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I thank you for men and women and young people that have a heart to hear you. And Lord, I thank you for what you have done in our lives. And God, forgive us for not recognizing how you have sustained us, healed us, carried us through. Lord, we're on to the next trauma without just rejoicing in what you're doing today. And so, Lord, I pray that right now you saw each person that stood and what, what you spoke in their heart. Lord, as we just stand with our hands offered to you and surrender, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, God, you would impart a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit right now. God, I pray you would touch hearts. You would touch our minds. God, would you touch our mouth? And we invite your presence to work and flow. Lord, I thank you for healing, for hope, and for direction. So we submit and we surrender to you. And Lord, I pray that we would walk out what you speak to each one of us right now. And we thank you and we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. Lord, bless you folks. What a joy. What a joy to be with you. In fact, you are dismissed. Don't just have a good day. Go make the day good by the power. Untie the eye. Make the day good. Is that okay? Go in the love of Jesus. Pray for your pastors as they're coming home. We will be praying for you. Go in the love of Jesus. You are dismissed.